This is Lake Effect from 89.7 WUWM Milwaukee Public Radio. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Audrey Nowakowski. And I'm Bonnie North. The tanginess of a freshly pickled tomato, the crunch and sweetness of a recently harvested carrot, the crisp floral flavor of a just-picked cucumber. Chef Dave Swanson wants to make it easier for restaurant goers to taste these items and pretty much anything else that can be produced or foraged in Wisconsin straight from the farm. He's the owner of Bray's Restaurant, and in 2008 he put together the country's first RSA, or Restaurant Supported Agriculture. It's like a CSA, or community-supported agriculture, where farmers deliver a package of fresh produce to people at their houses. Except in the RSA, restaurants, food trucks, and cafes order how much and which products they want from the same farmers who deliver to a hub in the city. For today's Full Plate segment, Swanson explains to Lake Effect's Mayan Silver why it's helpful to both restaurants and farmers to use this collective. He starts with why he wanted to source from local farms in the first place. When I was growing up through the ranks of, of the chef world, I worked in French restaurants, and the idea behind it was, was getting everything as freshly sourced as you could. You know, kind of you know, what Alice Waters prescribed in, in California, kind of that European model. And so I worked in, in restaurants in Chicago, that's what we did. We had a garden, we brought stuff in, we used it on the menu. So just knowing that the freshness is, is, the, is the best thing available, the taste is there, textures are there you can you can you know it's a chef's playground for that kind of stuff so for me that's kind of the the inroads to wanting to work with local products knowing that that can be the freshest thing tasting a freshly picked tomato there's like no substitute for that so that's how I how we got into this realm of, of the RSA and what types of products do you get from farmers for your restaurant we get 80% of all the products from, from our farmers here. So anything from onions, potatoes, to garlic scapes, to garlic, to lettuces, to microgreens, strawberries, raspberries. Things are foraged as well, which has been a new avenue that for people to kind of create businesses on and supply us with mushrooms coming from Wisconsin landscape. Things that we wouldn't eat before as far as ramps would would only be something I, I would be able to get if I had foraged myself. Now we have people that forage and we buy from them. And how do you create these relationships with the farmers? How do you seek them out? Oh, some of the relationships were just starting to work with in, in restaurants. When I was working in restaurants, I'd just start calling farmers and just seeing like what they have, what things supply. If you go shop at a farmer's market, you'd see these farmers out there. And then all of a sudden you start seeing the same, you know, the same suspects. Uh, you know, all the, all the same farmers go to go to the same farmers markets and they all know each other and you kind of just start down that road and if, if a farmer is located in one area, they may tell neighboring farmers about the program and understand like, hey, I have extra products to sell. Where can I sell this stuff at? Well, you know, Dave can buy the product from you. Just, you know, call them up, things of that nature. So a lot of times it, it just happens very naturally. You started this restaurant five years ago, and you yeah. immediately started sourcing things from local farms? Yeah, so we, st- uh, we actually started the RSA back in 2008. So that was, that was going way before the restaurant was. And the idea was knowing that I wanted a source on a different level uh, for the restaurant. I just didn't want to bring a red wagon to the marketplace and fill, fill a little thing, couple things up and bring it back to the restaurant and use that kind of stuff. I wanted a source on a different level. And to do that, I needed to have access to hundreds of pounds, thousands of pounds of ingredients. Uh, so that's kind of where I created this RSA to, to be a mechanism to bring things in from 
farms that are located outside of the urban area and bring these products in, into Milwaukee. And so RSA stands for Restaurant Supported Agriculture, and that's essentially a collective where you're trying to source larger amounts from farmers. Can you explain a little bit what that is? Yeah, so Restaurant Supported Agriculture, or RSA for short, I know that as a chef, if I'm interested in these products, other chefs would be as well. And so I was talking to them, saying, what do you guys want? What do you guys need? And many chefs stepped up and, you know, uh, and said, this, this is what we're looking for. So I just built this, you know, the need for all these chefs to do that. So we created the RSA, basically is something that chefs collaborating together to source food locally. And then I work with farmers on a number of different levels to bring food in from point A to point B. And so we basically are a small distributor working for local farmers. And one of the advantages to getting it on a larger scale is, is economic. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, especially with farmers, if they're dealing with one product, a couple of products, rather than, than driving down and dropping off 20 pounds a week, they can you know, uh, come down and drop off 1,000 pounds. Uh, the packaging is changes, the labor cost changes on their end, the um, logistics change as far as getting from point A to point B and cost per mile and things of that nature. So then economics start making sense. Uh, and then it starts putting things into play that we could no- not normally do before. And especially in the very dawn of local food, it was, you know, people didn't understand what the cost of a true tomato was. And so if they saw something that was outlandish, um, as far as price-wise on the menu, they wouldn't buy it. Even though you, you can, you can uh, you preach to them about how good it is, taste and stuff like that, they're not going to spend $7 for an heirloom tomato. And once that, you know, more people started doing it, and that's what I realized was, was the economics behind it. Not only this restaurant, but other restaurants doing it is what's needed for not only the food scene, but also for the agriculture scene to make sure the more rest, you know, farmers are, are supplying to more restaurants. So it's just something that, that w- when one thing happens, it just leads to another necessary alternative. So it helps out the farmers and the restaurants by cutting out the middleman, right? Yeah. Yeah, so with the, we launched this program with uh, two grants, and that helped us, you know, buy infrastructure, do the things we needed to do to make uh, the, those costs, you know, lower for the end user, the restaurant to bring the product in, and then make efficiencies for the farmer to bring products from point A to point B. Was there any concern that since you're using some of the same products that other local restaurants are using, that there would be a similar dishes, or is it there's just a lot of more creativity than that? Oh, there's so much more creativity than that. And that's kind of, I think, I think some of the chefs in the very beginning who are skeptical of that kind of had that, that narrow view of it. But if we bring the same carrot from the same farm to 10 chefs in, in Milwaukee on the same day, there's not going to be the same dish on their menu that night. And the idea is to showcase what a good carrot tastes like. So the guests can go to these restaurants and understand what a good carrot tastes like. Then they go to another restaurant that doesn't source locally. They'll know, like, this carrot doesn't taste good. You know, I had, a, I had a, um, a farmer friend that say like, you know, how's the carrot taste? It tastes orangey. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a taste that we just don't associate. We think carrot is just crispy. Well, crispy is not a taste. That's a texture. So a carrot should taste like a carrot. The, the, the sweet, you know, earthiness to it. And, kind of, and there's things that we have been far removed from our food that we don't understand what it tastes like. Oh, it should be crisp. Okay, that's not really a taste. And so 
when you have that, people start understanding whether it's prepared and poached in a way uh, or, or roasted or whatever it may be or pickled. And that's what the, the chef's creativity will, will, will come through, and that's great. And so I never, there was never any competition with, with that because we know that we can really, you know, high tide floats all boats, and that's what we wanted. We wanted to showcase what these farmers can do, what good food is, and really help Milwaukee's food scene improve. And who gets to pick which products are coming in, you know, at a particular time? Oh, that's all dependent on, on the chefs. The chefs, you know, we just make the logistics easier for moving food from point A to point B. The chefs, if they want to talk to the farmers and say, I want radishes, I want this variety grown this size, can you do it for me? They can do that. You know, we don't, we don't step in, you know, as an, as an obstruction to that. There's farmer speak and there's chef speak. And we kind of, I look at what the RSA does as a translator, just to make sure that we can both kind of understand what's going on. Uh, chefs, you know, they're not up at uh, four or five in the morning. Farmers are. When chefs are going to bed, farmers have always been sleeping for <laughs> numerous hours. So there's, there's just a logistical, you know, uh, roadblock as well. So that's kind of things that the RSA is, uh, has approached and kind of reduced those obstacles. So the hub is in Bayview, right? It was in Bayview. We are now in, at Feeding America at 17th and Fond du Lac. So last year we did we went through two moves, which um, it was you know, unforeseen, but this is something that we just had to do because our warehouse was being torn down for redevelopment. So now we're finally set up in this year at Feeding America. Does Feeding America get involved in this RSA? Well, Feeding America, we're leasing space from them. And with the nonprofit, uh, you know, helping us in the sense that if we need uh, to donate items that a farmer may have that are going to go bad in the field or whatever it may be, uh, they can donate to Feeding America and get something in return for that product rather than just putting it into, into uh, you know, tilling it into their, their soil. Feeding America also has dis distribution abilities to help us with getting things from point A to point B, which, you know, I don't want to be a distribution company only owning 25 trucks. I, you know, I, I want to, you know, work with the local food, figure out what a, what a better system is, a more efficient system. What does a week look like for the RSA, for the deliveries, for the location, and which restaurants are coming in, getting involved? Well, the restaurants normally don't pick up at the warehouse. They, we deliver to them. But on any given day, farmers are dropping things off. It's a really fractured infrastructure as far as getting things from point A to point B. Sometimes we'll piggyback things from farm A and farm B to be on farm C's truck, whatever it may be. And then it comes down to us. Then we're kind of just sending that stuff off to restaurants. So restaurants would order from us. They would get a certain delivery date. And then we would just compile all those ingredients, put it on the truck, deliver to them on a Wednesday. Some restaurants get it on Thursday. Some restaurants get it on Friday. And so then they get all this product in and then they, then they let their, their creative juices flow. So there's a lot of logistics, but fewer logistics than if each restaurant was doing it and each farm was doing it on their own. Exactly. And that's, and that's one of the things. It's, it's not, um, there's many different levels to it. It's not just about sourcing food locally and about it tastes better. There's also some real environmental impacts here that we're trying to do. If, if we have eight farmers running down with eight trucks going to 10 restaurants, there's a lot of carbon footprint that, that's, be, that's being exerted on, on our environment. And if we can just have one truck do that and one coordination of that, you know, one of the bylines in the RSA is let chefs chef, let farmers farm. Because I don't need a farmer that's, you know, approaching 65 years of age, you know, delivering stuff at, you know, 5 in the afternoon on a Friday. That's not going to be good for them. They need to be farming, and that's what we want them to do. We don't want chefs 
you know, if they, um, running around, going to parking rides, and you know, waiting for you know, waiting for farmers. It's not an efficient system. So there's got to be a better way of doing it. And you know, there as we launched this program in 2008, we have changed we've ebbed and flowed with what chefs want with what chefs need and, and also what the agriculture system dictates because csa farmers were uh, were on a much bigger upswing now they're kind of you know some farmers are getting out of csas so it depends on how we work with those farmers that kind of changes how we do our business and then you know the chef, the chefs ultimately determine what they want how they want it and what quantities and that's that's we're just here to fill that need for them and what are some of the other restaurants besides Bray's that are involved? Um, at our height before the move, we had like 35 restaurants. So it, it's restaurants, it's food trucks, uh, it's sometimes, you know, cafes that are bringing in milk. So it's a number of different entities. And so, you know, it's not necessarily you need a brick and mortar restaurant to do that. It's, it's food trucks, it's, it's personal caterers, it's whoever wants to use, get better product in for their, their customers and really showcase differences. So can you give me an example of, like, let's say this summer sometime, something on your menu that has been dictated by what you got from an RSA and how, how, it, how you created that dish? Yeah, so a lot of times, and you can really see those, those changes. I mean, we can see the month of June, how cold and rainy it has been in the past few years. And, you know, 10 years ago, we'd get certain products in June. Now the environmental in, in changes are, are impacting what we do. And so where sometimes you might have an overlap of two ingredients historically that would, that would be going together, you may not have that impact, that, that overlap anymore, where you'd put strawberries and rhubarb together. Now rhubarb is coming earlier, strawberries coming a little bit later. You may not have that same overlap anymore. So a dish for, for pastry that would, would use rhubarb and strawberries, you know, they might not be together anymore. And so, the, the, you know, the environment is changing. We know that. We see that. We see things growing, you know, taking a little bit lo longer. The growing season is not June, you know, July and August. It's now July, August, September. And so it's, you can see kind of the, just a little shift of, of, of how ingredients come in. But, yeah, we, w those things dictate what's being cultivated on farms. But also foraged, foraged items are a new thing that um, there are many, many different avenues to get things from the Wisconsin landscape rather than just a cultivated product. So there's mushrooms out there. There's a number of things found, found wild out there that we can use. And chefs want to play with those kind of things. And that's, and that's great. And what's something that you came up with that's on the menu now that uses these materials? I mean, what's that process like? Well, the process is just kind of seeing what the what the farmers have have available and just creating menus off off those items, and uh, that's kind of what chefs will do every day. It's just creating new 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 dishes. So it's I think you've seen the restaurant scene in Milwaukee in the past ten years really really kind of you know take off, and especially in the past couple of years too, you've seen restaurants and menus are changing every day. They're not written statically or changed by the seasons. We don't change menu what by what the calendar says. It's dictated by what Mother Nature does and things that happen in February when we have 70 80 degree days it impacts things we get now in June so there are, are you know other implications that's just not you know you just don't call up 1-800 whatever and get these products in anymore it's knowing that 
um, if we have a hailstorm in an area or we have seven inches of rain in an area, that's going to impact what we have. Um, if it's 105 degrees outside, lettuce may not be pr prominent on the menu. Uh, if we have seven inches of rain, there's other things that farmers can't get into, in, into the fields, and it may affect what happens in the fall. So there are all these little things that just, just rather than the nuance of looking at, okay, when summer begins, when spring begins, when fall starts, that we don't change our menus accordingly to that. It's just, it's just constant evolution. So everybody has to be flexible. That's the, the biggest key word is flexibility, is understanding that uh, as far as deliveries, when you're working with a number of different smaller producers, you know, maintenance comes a big issue with trucks, all of a sudden truck breaks down, well, that we're expecting that these products come in, we don't have it, we can substitute A for, a for Z, uh, and then the chefs have to be flexible on what they get. So if they have these static menus, it, do, it really doesn't work for them. They have to be able to write something and understand that, okay, I wanted 10 pounds of this, but they had a hailstorm, I can only get five pounds of this. So what do I do? So you're kind of improvising in the kitchen as well. Yeah, and, and that's really the, and I, I think the customers see the talent, that the talent pool that we have here in Milwaukee of chefs, that chefs can do that. And it's become second nature, which the customer is, is the beneficiary of all that, which is great, which is the way it should be. And it, when we're just kind of the, uh, the gatekeeper to it all to make sure that, you know, products move from point A to point B. Thank you so much, Dave Swanson, for talking about this. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Chef Dave Swanson is the owner of Bray's Restaurant. He spoke with Lake Effects Mayan Silver. You can hear all of our full plate series at wuwm.com.